Welcome to A to Z Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Zach Bingham. Make sure you follow us all over social media, whether it's Facebook, uh, also YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, TikTok. We're Nashville's on-demand sports talk network, and we go live every weekday morning at 8 Central Time. Got to thank our sponsors because they make it happen for our show, and they help out you guys. Renters Warehouse Nashville, the professional landlords in the area at RentersWarehouse.com. Mandu, the pulse of fitness, one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room at mandu.com. Your first workout is free. Wilson County Hyundai, if you need a new ride, head out to wilsoncountyhyundai.com for their services in Lebanon. And the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. So, Zach, uh, we know it's Wednesday. Look, the game happened three days ago at this point. We all know that the Titans offensive line got completely exposed by the Cardinals. But now we've got the film breakdown to absolutely prove it. And, you know, like the you texted this to, uh, you know, me uh, and Buck in our group chat uh, yesterday about like, I get and I understand Taylor Wan's apology now. Take us through uh, why why you now understand Taylor Wan's apology on Twitter for how poor he played on Sunday versus Arizona. Well, yeah, and we saw that it was it was a tough scene for Taylor Lewan. and Lewan played really, really bad. It was probably the worst performance of his career uh, to date. Now, on the other side, and we'll we'll talk more about it because we do have some some video. Chandler Jones is an extremely talented pass rusher. You know, the Titans would kill to have a guy like Chandler Jones. Any NFL team would kill to have a guy like Chandler Jones. And I don't know how much J.J. Watt's impact has helped him just in the short time. Game one worked out pretty well because the Arizona Cardinals are officially leading the league in sacks with six. They're tied with Carolina as Carolina got after Zach Wilson. And and that was a disaster. But the Jets' offensive line is comparable to the Jags. I watched that both those games. They're awful. But LaJuan's apology... I think he was trying to get ahead of what we're now about to watch. Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of the sobering thing is, you know, we're watching the game. We react in real time. We have our pregame halftime postgame show, which this coming Sunday afternoon game away games are at Mill Creek Tap Room. So come stop by. That's a great uh, time to, to, to pub that. But Lawan, I think, was trying to get out in front of it. Now, I will never question a player's true, like, injury if they're injured. I'll question their grit based on said injury. And I'll give you an example, and I'll never forget this. Everybody loves, like, the whole Jay Cutler thing. Like, our guy Jack Gentry loves Jay Cutler. Jay Cutler is a buffoon. I can't stand him. One of the reasons why I can't stand him, I don't like his personality, but 2010. NFC Championship game against the Green Bay Packers at home in Chicago. He tore his meniscus. Now, a lot of people have torn their meniscus. He chose to sit down on the bench and not play through that pain in a key moment, in a key situation, in a key game where the Bears were trying to get to the Super Bowl. I always remember that. This is completely different in week one, but it was cramps. And it was two series. Yeah. Now, look, I, I'm tough. Somewhat, That's yeah. tough for an offensive lineman that is 
highly paid, big season ahead, and was getting whipped. Yes. Cr- and then it, apologizes it, on a, a social forum afterwards. Cramps suck, though. Like, and everybody who's had like cramps, like, you know, if, when your muscles don't work, um, it's hard to go out there. And I'm with Dom. Have you ever torn your meniscus? Like tearing your meniscus, you know, you might be able to walk around and live a normal life, but it's a different thing to play NFL football with a torn meniscus. Um, no, it, it shows grit. Philip Rivers tore his ACL and still went in that game and played the rest of the game. And that was not an AFC championship game. This, my friends, I will criticize the okay. grit uh, and toughness of a player in an NFC championship game to go out there and try to win it for his team. I, I don't think you criticize uh, Cutler for not playing when he tore something in his knee. I think you just prop up Phillip Rivers for being able to play through something torn in his knee. Like I don't think it's like I don't think it's it's worth criticizing somebody who tore something in a game and didn't play. Like I, I think that's it's, out of line. He never got back to that point. Okay, that that's fine. And so again, I, I don't. Again, I think you should prop up the guy who plays through it, not tear down the guy who literally tore something uh, in a game. But regardless, no, he was he was widely criticized during that game. Do you not remember that? I, I do remember that. Yes, I do. I, but I again, I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's fair to for you to judge a player who tore something on their body for not finishing the game. Like that's no, that's I, illogical. No, the example, the example is the type of player that you are. The grittiness of said player in a particular moment. That is the analogy. You can take the ins and outs of what it was as I described it, but that I'm talking about grit and toughness. And look, the one went out for a reason for two series. Now it was reported that it was cramps, but the problem is, is the performance honestly could have gotten Ryan Tannehill injured, right? Yeah, and no we're doubt. gonna no. watch the plays, okay. the lack yeah. of technique, and and not just the one. This is the offensive line in general that has to completely reset. But you asked me a question, and I answered it. I know. I just like cramps. Like if your muscles don't work, you can't be effective. And and that's what I said on Monday. My theory on Lawan's cramping situation is he went to the blue tent, probably got an IV, then he rode the bike to get the IV working and his muscles loose again to go out there and try to be effective. And I, I don't know what happened. I, that's just my assumption based off of what was reported about the cramps, him being in the tent, riding the bike, and then returning to the action. So let's go ahead and get to it. Brian Baldinger of the NFL Network, who, uh, uh, let's see, disclaimer, is not the sharpest caveman in the cave. Brian Baldinger is not. So he makes several mistakes in these videos, but the film breakdown is uh, is valid for what Brian Baldinger uh, showed us in two parts video. So here's the first part of Brian Baldinger br- uh, breaking down uh, Taylor Wan and the Titans O-line versus Chandler Jones. You go to the Music City, you got to stop the king. Chandler Jones came with everything. In the run game, I mean, they couldn't block him. They couldn't block him all day, but bang, quick escape. Quick escape and then take down the king. Don't let him get started. That's how he gets his big runs. All right, now, they're an eye formation. All right, they're a big eye formation team. They like that. All right, they like to get the ball to back set to Derrick Henry, and then they bootleg off it. Well, Chandler Jones knows that. He read the scout report. He watched the offense, so he doesn't bite at all on Anvin. He goes right for Tannehill and ball down, ball down. Corey Peters is coming, and the Cardinals' opening touchdown of the 2021 season is scored by the defense, the rebuilt defense. J.J. Watt 
celebrating. But he was just getting started. He was just getting started. Like right here, Taylor Lewan tries to short set him. Bam! But look at the long arms of Chandler Jones. He gets his back shoulder pad. Now he pulls him forward. Now he's off balance. And here comes Chandler Jones for the close. Ball's out. Ball's out. There we go. So there's the first clip of Baldinger breaking it down. And obviously the Cardinals' first touchdown of the season was not uh, by Corey Peters, a D lineman. It was marked down at the one. And obviously Brian Baldinger, uh, Ryan Tannehill did not fumble on that balls out second sack that he showed there. But but talking about that is, to me, it looks like Lawan. Uh, the first play that we saw there in the Derrick Henry run, it looks like Lawan was confident enough in his get off off the ball to go reach Chandler Jones, but and in the second in the sack as well was able to get after Chandler Jones too uh, with off the ball. But then once he got beyond the initial uh, set or off the ball jump, he struggled to really gain his footing and anchor down and hold his ground against Chandler Jones. And then the second play, which was the sack fumble on the play action, that's just Todd Downing being as predictable as Todd Downing could possibly be. Because everybody knows that the Titans love the play action boot, and Chandler Jones was set out to not let Ryan Tannehill burn him with a bootleg where he runs for a first down or throws to A.J. Brown for 20-plus yards, and he sniffed it out and shut it down and caused the turnover. So, what, Zach, what was your reaction there the first uh, part of Brian Baldinger's breakdown. Well, and I have an opinion on the second part that I'll get into. Yeah. The first part, it looked to be technique. Now, I don't want to sit here and say, I'm not an offensive line coach, so, so I don't know yeah. what was taught. I know that you got to turn your hips, you got to get set, and you got to get leverage to block the player trying to use his moves to get past you, right? I mean, that that is the, the simplest form that I can say. But I don't want to sit here and speak on technique that I do not know. It did appear that he was struggling. There was some rust early on of getting into the scheme of things, which I will give Lawan some grace. You got to block your guy, but there's probably going to be some rust coming off of an injury, playing full speed. As we know, Vrabel doesn't like playing full speed a lot in the preseason for starters, right? So... This was, I think, a an eye-opening eye experience for Lawan getting back. A lot of pressure was on him. But more importantly, we know Taylor Lawan puts pressure on himself. Yeah. And so it seemed like early on in that football game, Lawan couldn't settle in. I mean, the offensive line in general couldn't settle in. The offense couldn't settle in. But I think that's where he, it looked like he struggled early on, where he was trying to shake some rust and kind of get to his spots, right? As a one thing I do know, left tackles and right tackles, when you you're trying to get to your spot quicker than the defender can get to theirs, and we'll talk about leverage a little bit later. But that that I think he struggled with. Now this second part is very interesting yeah. because I think this goes to coaching, and the coaching is grinding film to know what Chandler Jones likes to do, right? It's Chandler Jones's technique that won him what we're about to see. It, it's a move. Everybody has a move. Some guys like swim moves. Some guys like over the top. Chandler Jones has his particular move, and it worked very well in the second half of that football game. 
Yeah, it's called the ghost move, and we're about to see it on display. And also remember, uh, Brian Baldinger does not exactly know the Titans roster that well. But here's part two. Here we go. Again, one-on-ones. Watch him turn the angle here. Watch him turn the corner. See, he's got this move now. He likes to show his hands to get the tackle to show his. And then watch this angle that he turns the corner at. Like a fine European sports car right there. Like he keeps the tread on the road. Bam. Down goes Tannehill. All right. He's he's not done yet. He's got more. Here they put the backup tackle in. Same move. Show the hands. All right. Dennis Kelly drops his mistake. Now, you see this? Once the tackle's on one leg, once the tackle's on one leg, it's over. He attacks the inside right in the armpit. Bam. Look at him. Like Superman with a cape. Balls out. Marcus Golden. Let's just show one more here. One more. This is a... A designed ET stunt. He's going to drive into Saffold, all right, to knock Allen loose. But then he just keeps coming. Gets, the, gets Tannehill down. Sacks, forced fumbles, forced fumbles, touchdowns. Just an incredible performance by Chandler Jones, showing the hands, then disappearing the hands and getting around. I mean, it's it, it's good breakdown. Obviously, that was Kendall Lamb, not Dennis Kelly, Brian Baldinger. Uh, but again, like the, the 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 film breakdown is valid over how Chandler Jones basically single handedly just destroyed the Titans offense line. So you said you had a point uh, about the the second part of this. So what was that take overall? Well, it's that ghost move, Chandler Jones, and uh, look, Danny is absolutely correct. Credit to Chandler Jones, he is a freak. Period. Nothing else. But. The Titans did have tape on him, right? And they and it wasn't like this is week six or week ten that you know they're in the middle of the season. They had all summer and all off season to try to figure out Chandler Jones's moves. Now stopping it is a different question, but this is kind of his signature, right? It's and and Baldwinger broke it down very very well, and that was boom arms out. And it's it's kind of tomfoolery, right? It's making the offensive lineman do something that they're not prepared to do, and then Jones's size and strength takes advantage of it, and then his speed kills the quarterback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Andrew says, show the uh, show the Buddha Baker uh, Buddha, not Bubba. <laughs> show the Buddha Baker play where he knocks down Taylor. Uh, yeah, we will do that right now. Here, you get four good looks at it. There's one. <laughs> Oh, it's just painful to watch. That's 5'10", 195 pounds, just shoving Taylor Lewan, who's probably 6'7", a little bit north of 300 pounds, over 100 pounds on Buda Baker and uh, a half a foot plus uh, on Buda Baker too, just getting completely destroyed. So that tells me a couple things. We'll talk about it here in a second, but we do want to ask you guys this question. Is the Titans O-line problem in week one, is it the players or is it the coaches? Is it the players or is it the coaches? That's the question we wanted you guys to get involved with today. But first, let me tell you guys about the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever that injury happens in life, make sure you know who to go to and you know who to trust. That is the folks at the Bone & Joint Institute. They have over a dozen doctors there at the facility who specialize in literally anything that can go wrong with your body, from your ankle, from your foot, all the way up through your hips, knees, shoulders, spine, neck, 
and head boneandjointtn.org. Don't forget BetMGM. Download that app today. They got Parlay Boost. Monday, they had got a free bet. Code ATOZ Sports. They are the king of sports books. You can't beat that. And risk free $1,000 bet for new users. Risk free up to $1,000 risk free bet. Use the promo code right there on the screen when you download the app ATOZ Sports. That's BetMGM. They power our morning show. All right, so let's read some comments. Uh, the question is, is the Titans offensive line problem in week one, the players or the coaches? Uh, Steven says the coaches. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, Zachary says Buda Baker ain't no chump though. Yeah, but like uh, five foot 10, 195 pounds. Like that's basically me. I'm a little bit taller and a little bit lighter than Buda Baker. A lot of bit Buda- slower, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm a lot of bit slower and not nearly as uh powerful and explosive. We know that. Right. But Buda Baker should not be able to shove in bull rush a former three-time pro bowl offensive lineman. So what that tells me is that, and and several of these clips that we've talked about so far today and watched, is that Lawan doesn't necessarily trust his knee yet mentally. I think physically, he's 10 months from the injury and surgery. Physically, he's probably okay, probably in a pretty good spot. But mentally is that last part of the recovery. And you got to have both. You're right. And you absolutely have to have both. But like there's no way to mentally get over it until you do something. And so like there was a, a clip in there. Uh, I believe it was the first sack that Lawan gave up on Chandler Jones, where it looked like Lawan overextended and then he got pulled through and maybe he's not trusting his knee. It looks like on the Buda Baker play. I mean, I'll just show it again on the Buda Baker play that he had no idea how to set his feet in his ground. And as soon as he got any force, he let his he just picked his feet up and like you see his right knee kind of buckled there and he just went down. And like maybe Lawan saw his, or felt that knee buckle and had a flashback and just bailed. I don't know. But like you can see it happen there that I don't think he trusts his knee mentally yet, which sucks well, because like I mean, the he only- got off balance. Like let's face it, on that play, he thought Buda Baker was going wide, and then Buda Baker's quickness and speed. Play it again. Just went inside. He yeah. got fooled. Watch. Boom. Right there. That that was the difference. You can diagnose the knee and the, the mentality and all Zach, of that. that I, I, I think that the knee and, and being able to shift from inside outside, that's part of trusting your knee. It's <laughs> right, being able look, to have that sudden movement that's powerful enough. Buda Baker cannot move that type of weight without having the leverage or the off-balance of the other player. In this no case, doubt. it was Lawan. So he took advantage of that, and everybody's just looking at you know the short number three. And by the way, the single digit also makes it worse, right, because of the look of it, right? And we're not used to that. I'm still getting accustomed to sing- single digits on defense playing linebacker and corner. But I, I think we're probably all correct in the sense of, mind, body, and soul in in the first week coming back after you know a torn ACL, which was the biggest injury of Lawan's career. And I think we all respected and were uh I, I think you looked at it and say proud of the way Lawan handled his rehab. I think he he really took it seriously. Yeah. He he tried I mean he documented some of it. We know a little bit of what he did for that knee and he was ready to prove his worth. The unfortunate part is 
game one, he didn't look ready. Yeah, and, and, and you can't have that as a left tackle because in the NFL, Austin, we all know if you're the left tackle, you're going up against pretty much the best player on the defense. We know the four top positions of football. Well, here's and the pass rusher. You're gonna get you're gonna get got if you're not a hundred percent because Chandler Jones, they got like uh, four more Chandler Joneses this year. Here's the crazy thing is that Chandler Jones at the beginning of the game was going back and forth from one side to the other, and then they realized how bad Lawan was, and they stay they stuck him on that side. Good coaching. It, yeah, good coaching. And so G-Man says that's painful to watch. A couple good comments uh, from BMO on YouTube. BMO says, Lawan's body language on tape shows the mental part is not there and trusting his knee. Uh, and then he adds also shows that he's trying to compensate for the knee, which is causing him to be off balance, which I, that, that's kind of my, my point is that the trust, the mental trust of the knee is not there to be able to react. Lawan's probably strong enough. He's probably... Uh, had enough strength in that in the the healing in the need the rehab and all that he is probably in great shape but it doesn't matter if you don't trust it physically and you go out there and something a, a little tweak of one knee or being off balance and not knowing if you can shift back or trying to overcompensate will cause you to be off balance and it leads to 195 pound safety shoving you on your ass uh with very very little ease i have my answer okay my answer is not the players. My answer is I'm taking a step back and looking at a drone's eye view. Bye-bye, Birdie. We're in drone age. A drone's eye view of what this game was and why I'm going to blame the coaches. The offensive game plan stunk to start this football game. Agree? Yep. They got down so much, 18 points, that they couldn't run the football and put an extra blocker in there because they had to pass the football. They had to make big plays to get in. So I'm going to blame the coaches for putting the offensive line and the players in this in that situation. Obviously, I think you could probably I mean you could say both. A lot of people say both, but this is the this is why we ask these questions is to pick one. I blame the coaching staff and the predictability, Austin, that you spoke of on our post-game show, our halftime show, our post-game show, and Monday reacting to this game of Todd Downing in the first and second quarter. That got this offensive line. And what do we always say in football, guys? In the chat, I know you know. When you, when a announcer on a game says, oh, no, now they can pin their ears back. That's exactly what the Arizona Cardinals were able to do in the second half. They were able to pin their ears back where you're going to get situations that don't look good and, you know, you're going to have that. God, that's just so awful. So so <laughs> I blame the coaching staff okay. for not putting the correct game plan in to be able to adjust and possibly put another blocker in because they didn't have the lead or they weren't within complete striking distance. So that's my final answer. Uh, Steve says, Shut, stop showing that clip. There's a reason why on our video, there's a warning that only egos were harmed in this breakdown. So, uh, so Cody says, I'll say it again, promoting downing and shame was a mistake period. Look, I, I don't, 
Shane, Shane Bowen, in my mind, deserved the opportunity to really do the job the right way this season. And I think, but the Todd Downing situation is, again, that goes into my take that I teased in the postgame show that I want to see at least one more game of Todd Downing before I really unleash my opinion on uh, on Todd Downing and Mike Vrabel and the offensive coordinator. I need more information. I, I can't. I don't want to be premature on it because I think that's unfair to a guy in his first game as the play caller with the offensive line playing like absolute garbage and not being able to get anything done. So uh, a couple comments I want to read because we're asking you guys the question: uh, Who's basically who's a, who's to blame for the Titans' offensive line issues in Week One? Is it the players, the coaches? So F Word Pod says. One, Vrabel offseason snap strategy. Two, no in-game adjustments. And three, the players. So, and I, I really agree with that sentiment. Well, two is above three, and that's coaching is above players. So, uh, right. Edward Pod's final answer to answer is, the question is, would be right. coaches. coaching. And, and I agree because it's the philosophy. Because we were never going to know Taylor Lewan's mental rehab part of his knee until he got in there. Now he played like two series. Yeah, but preseason's not gonna tell you that. Right, right. And so, like, that's hard. It's it's hard to know that until things are real. And that you can't prepare for. But uh the Ben Jones, Nate Davis, they gave up a sack, and that looked like a lack of communication or a miscommunication with how that sack was was made. And so I think I, I do think the lack of preseason, not preseason game snaps, but practice reps and real practice reps, you can take something from more than just walk through or jog through. Because before game week, where we can't watch practice in game week, when we could watch practice fully, like when training camp is open, whenever they would do the full offense out there in eleven on eleven, it was never full speed. Derrick Henry, I don't think, took a full-speed snap of 11-on-11 11 11, uh, while practice was open to the media to watch. And and whenever they did that, it was a jog-through. You've got to test these guys. Like, you've like the practice is important, and we've seen two straight week ones where the offense has been really, really gross to watch in week one. They got away with it because they played the Broncos last year. They played a good team this year in the Cardinals, and they got their asses shown out. So I think I think it's also the coaches. And then where was the tight end? Like I didn't see a tight end help. Like Jeff Swain and Michael Pruitt are on this team because they can block. Corey Blassingame is on this team because he can block from the fullback position. What Jeremy McNichols is on the roster because he can pass protect from the running back position. Why can't somebody else help out the struggling tackles against Chandler Jones to help out? Ryan Tannehill get the ball down the field to Julio or AJ. Well, awesome. We talked about this in free agency. The departure of Johnu Smith, where Johnu went to go secure the bag, and he did in New England. Damn straight. He was a big part of their success last year when Lawan went down in helping. They don't have a Johnu Smith. And Johnu Smith, like we've seen that guy personally. Like that dude's huge. That guy can can get in the way of some pass rusher, especially help, right? And it looked like the offensive line needed some help. 
But this offensive scheme has gone wide receiver heavy, not tight end heavy. So they don't have the luxury of having those blocking tight ends like Anthony Fasano and Cat Stevens. Well, they, they can no, just they, jump in there for a play. Look, John is gone, but they did bring back uh, Swain and Michael Pruitt. They brought back Pruitt like two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just which, brought back Pruitt. Yeah, right. But again, he's back and there shouldn't be a lot but of he time didn't play lost. on Sunday. Michael Pruitt? That, that much? Well, he, he, but he, he did play. The first snap of the game was uh, Anthony Ferkser was the third tight end to get a snap. That, that but that's the point. They got so far behind, they couldn't use any of those guys. Yeah. Uh, Jordan says biggest miss of the offseason was letting Johnny Smith go. And I, again, that's that was my whole take throughout the month of February and early March is that I thought John, if you're going to prioritize Johnny Smith to Corey Davis, I wanted Johnny Smith back because he's the glue guy between the running game and the passing game. He was too expensive, and, though. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely. Because there's no Julio. If I mean, would you rather have Julio Jones or Johnny Smith? I mean, without Johnny Smith. We're going to find a, that out. Yeah, we're about to find <laughs> that out uh, for sure. Uh, I did see a, a comment I wanted to read, which is Malachi's uh, comment is why I also answer with coaches because Malachi says Lawan is less than a year removed from his torn ACL. Is he expected to be perfect in his first game back? Obviously, no. You're not expecting Taylor Lawan to be perfect in his first game back from an ACL, but you're going to expect him to be better than this. Like this is just like atrocious. Like this is this should never happen to a 300 pound man. Well, going up look against look at the uh, push of Roger of Roger Saffold getting pushed back too in that clip. I know Lawan is the uh, highlight, but look at Saffold. Yeah, but Saffold's guy's probably 310. <laughs> like, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like Lawan gets shoved and falls down on his keister by a guy who weighs 190. What? What on the other side's about to get to Tannehill? Watch, watch on the left side of the screen. Watch. Hey, he's JJ. A, he's coming in fast. Well, yeah, that's because JJ Watt was looking at David Questenberry like he was Will's Fetech back in the Jake Locker days. Like all those guys, like across the board on that, that was a bad snap for everybody involved <laughs> because even McNichols got beat by Justin Simmons. Uh, the blitzing linebacker in that. It was just a bad snap, just a really bad snap by everybody. And that's why I think it's the coaches because they clearly were, were not ready to play. Like it's, if it was just Lawan that was the issue, then you can say, well, you, you never know about his ACL rehab until you put him out there. But my God, nobody on that offensive line was ready to play football on Sunday. And it's the coach's job to get their players ready to play. So it, it was embarrassing. So is this warranted? Is is the apology that we all? I mean, we know why he apologized. Now that we've watched more tape from Sunday's game, and Luan obviously was there, and he knew exactly what happened. Is that is this something that Luan needed to do? I mean, it, it it wasn't a lie. So when asking was it warranted, I mean, maybe. But again, I would prefer that to happen not on Twitter, but actually just keep it in the locker room. Because I, I we've just seen Lawan. If it was Lawan's first time that he had to tweet an apology about something, then then sure, nobody would have an issue with it. But it's only like he's averaging one apology tweet a year, uh, and it, it's something that we can't. Like I, I don't think it's he's run his course. His apology tweets have run its course. He can't do it again. Like, that's it. Like, no more apology tweets. I know 
Lawan cares about the fans, which is why he's tweeting things. He cares about what people think about him. He reads his Twitter mentions. He care. He listens to the radio, which is why he knew what Zach said about him not being built to be a Pro Bowl left tackle or born to be a Pro Bowl left tackle. Lawan was listening, and so he cares about things like that. So, you know, I I wish he would have just not tweeted it and talked it and kept it in the locker room because we've seen it too many times already. Well, and I think you you talked about it. Uh, you know, just a short while ago, mentally, he's got to get there, right? Mentally in the football game, he's got to be able to trust his knee, trust what got him pro bowls early on in his career and trust him the, the, the way that he knows how to play left tackle and protect a quarterback. He knows how to do it. And he is a stellar football player. But as I've said, it's a tough road because the NFL is not forgiving. There's going to be another badass dude that's going to be choo, right down the edge trying to get to Tannehill that Lawan's going to have to rely on his technique and his football skills to get in front of. You don't have a lot of time to get mentally ready. There's just yeah. not – you don't have that luxury. You got 17 games. Now you got 16. Well, and, and uh, Mark says he is still getting his legs back under him. He didn't play most of last year the ACL. Yeah, we know that, Mark. But you know who doesn't give a damn about Lawan and who's licking their chops about Lawan still getting his legs underneath him? The Seattle Seahawks defense that is traditionally pretty good at putting pressure on the quarterback. And so, you know, nobody cares, Mark. Like, nobody cares around the NFL that Lawan is still trying to get his knee, his legs underneath him. Like nobody, you know what? You know what the Seahawks pass rush is going to do this week? Hell, if I was a pass rusher for the Seattle Seahawks, I'd try that ghost move. I tried Chandler (laughs) Jones's ghost move. Hey, let's just see if it works. Yeah. Right. Because you see on film that that now, and and here's the hard everybody, nobody's perfect, right? No player is perfect. They all have the things that can, uh, a defender in this case, can take advantage of. Now it's on tape. So Lawan's going to be getting more ghost moves this year, and they're going to try to get him off balance. They're going to prevent him from shifting his hips and getting his weight squared to block and protect. I, you don't want to do this week one, like week 16 or week 14 or week 10, but you're going to people are going to walk, go back to this film. Uh, Indy's going to go back to this film, Jacksonville, the New York Jets, the rest of the AFC South. Everybody's going to go back to this film and see if they can recreate the success that Chandler Jones and the Cardinals had. Uh, yeah, Jamal Adams is looking at uh, what Buda Baker did. I'm like, I can get me something. Oh, yeah, Jamal Adams is, I mean, is he the best safety in the league? Uh, I mean, one of them. I mean, if he's I would one, say he's, he's the best safety in the league. I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not prepared uh, with knowledge on the safeties to say who is definitively the best or second best or third best. But I know Jamal Adams is one of the best. I would say, I think Jamal Adams is one. Uh, okay, I'm going fine. through my Rolodex right now of NFL my, safeties. That's cool. My Rolodex is not up to date just because uh, I don't, it's week oh, one. Yeah, I gotta, we watch ball. We that, watch that, ball. I, I think just, I think Jamal Adams is the best. That and that fine. dude, he is he he has size, speed, and the big thing, he has tenacity. He's pissed off to go get after that quarterback. He's gonna be a problem this week. 
That's fine. Okay, so last week, Zach, we talked about Mike Sando's Super Bowl contenders. And the Titans were in the top 10 of those Super Bowl contenders. So were four other teams who lost on Sunday. So let's discuss these Super Bowl contenders. Which of these five Super Bowl contenders do you feel the best about after the week one loss? But first, tell everybody about Wilson County Hyundai. Yeah, Wilson County Hyundai is where you need to go to get your next ride. The Sonata is primo. They got brand new Sonata in stock at Wilson County Hyundai. You can go to their inventory at WilsonCountyHyundai.com. If you want to trade in a vehicle, they will make a deal with you there as well. So if you're thinking about, hey, man, I'm trying to get rid of this, this particular car that I've had for a quite, quite some time, I want to upgrade, go to Wilson County Hyundai. They will hook you up. They know the right deal, and they can make the right deal for you, whether it's the Sonata, the four-door sedan, or whether it's the Elantra, the midsize SUV in the Santa Fe, or the full-size SUV that you've heard me talk about. I saw Palisade on the street yesterday. I was like, dang, that looks that looks good. That looks nice. I moved over. I was like, look, I'm getting in this lane. That thing, I just want to kind of take a view. Well, you can dominate the streets like that Palisade did yesterday. WilsonCountyHyundai.com. BetMGM, download the app. Use our code ATOZ Sports. You get a risk free bet up to $1,000 after your first deposit. Your first bet risk free up to $1,000. Just use that code ATOZ Sports. If you missed yesterday's A to Z Sports picks, I highly suggest you go back and watch on the same platforms you're watching on right now because Alan Bell and Brian Edwards broke it down. They gave you a good parlay for college football already and, a, and some winners. Uh, in the NFL it was nearly a 40-minute show. It was really good stuff. I listened to it, uh, the majority of it, while I was running errands. Uh, right there, presented by BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. You must be 21 years or older. Must be present in Tennessee and for gambling problem support, call a Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. Zach, we went through the uh, Mike Sando of the Athletics Super 6 and the Furious 4, right? The Super 6 Super Bowl contenders were the Chiefs, the Bucks, the Packers, the Bills, the Rams, and the Seahawks. The Furious Four Super Bowl contenders, the Ravens, Browns, Niners, and Titans. So if you go through these 10 teams, five of them lost. The Titans, the Browns, and the Ravens lost this past week. And then in the Super Six, the Packers and the Bills also lose uh, with everybody else winning in this. So the overall question is, which of those five teams do you feel best about who lost in week one? Because the Titans, I don't think we're answering the Titans. I don't think we're answering with the Packers on this list either. Although the Packers might have uh, the best quarterback of all the losing teams. But who do you feel the best about uh, after week one in their loss of the five who lost? Man, I'd, I'd be honest. I mean, obviously, the and we'll talk about the, the winning teams here in a second, but it's either the Bills or the Browns, right? And if you watch the Browns game, God, they, they pissed that away. Now, it won me money because I had money on the Chiefs. And the Chiefs are very, very good. And the Chiefs, as we know, what makes the Chiefs great is they are hard to close out. They are so deadly. You can't give Patrick Mahomes 36 seconds. He's going to go down and kick a field goal or score, right? But at the same time, you have got to keep the ball away from them and extend drives. We saw that Dak Prescott was unable to do that against Tampa last Thursday night. Tom Brady came back and, and bit him in the ass, right? So uh, the Bills and Steelers, I watched I watched that game probably less uh, compared to most of the other games 
And I don't know why, it just it wasn't as much on my radar. I did start to pay attention later on. I saw when the Steelers took the lead, and I said, surely Buffalo can come back. But then all of a sudden, the Steelers go down, kick a field goal. They're mm-hmm. up by 10 points. And the Bills, they didn't have an opportunity to get back into that game. There was not enough time, and they didn't have enough firepower to score as many points. It's between the Bills and the Browns. If I had to pick one, I trust the Bills more because I trust Josh Allen over Baker Mayfield. And it was not Baker Mayfield's fault. Unfortunately, it was the punter's fault. (laughs) And the punter screwed Baker Mayfield. And Baker Mayfield, if you watched it, they panned right to Baker right after that botched punt. Oh, man, if you could, I mean, if you could listen to probably what he was thinking, I bet you there was a, a few MFers in his mind. So yeah. I, I'm going I'm to go with Buffalo. You think Buffalo? Yeah, I'm with the Browns. I, I really think uh, the Browns went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs in Kansas City, and the Bills blew it at home. They were up to nothing at half. Then they gave up 20 unanswered to the Steelers and then couldn't get anything going. They finally kicked the field goal to get within striking distance and then could not, you know, close the door on that. So I but, think I – But as real quick, and Louie is correct, Big Ben did get hot late in that game. And you can't, whether, whether you like Ben uh, Ben Roethlisberger or you think he's old or, uh, or washed out, he still is very, very talented and has those moments that can make the Steelers unbeatable. And – So I I do want to say that. I understand where you're coming from, though. Both teams look good. The Bills and the Browns are the only two teams in this conversation, though, right? Yeah, I think so, because the Packers got their asses handed to them, like the Titans, and then uh, the Ravens losing in overtime to the Raiders. Now, the Raiders, I don't think – I think that was a surprise, but, like, for the Ravens, I'll hold my thoughts on the Ravens because I do think the Packers and Titans can bounce back a little bit. But I – I, I think I am of these five teams who lost. I think the Browns are still in the better situation because they lost on the road to one to the best team in the conference, and it was and they lost by four. Like it was a very highly competitive game. So I think I'm still. Well, the problem with that is though, well, I guess you could say that with the Bills because of the Steelers, but the Browns any tiebreaker that the Chiefs have the tiebreaker. But that's I understand that, but. The Browns were expected to lose. They were. They, they were underdogs on the road, and they were expected to lose. The Bills were six-and-a-half-point favorites, and they blew it against the Steelers at home. The Titans were favorites, lo- losing at home. I believe the Packers were favorites at home and got blown out by the Saints. They were. Uh, the Ravens were also favored by four points, I believe, and they lost. So, Again, the Browns were the only one that was supposed to lose, and they played a really entertaining close game that was high scoring. I think if if you had one question mark about the Browns this year, it's not their defense, it's their offense. And so everybody's going to give up points to Patrick Mahomes in the regular season. So they gave up 33 points, but the offense still put up 29. Like that. So if the bigger question mark for the Browns is the fact that, um, that, you know, their offense, can they hang? They hung. And so that's where I feel like they're not going to play Patrick Mahomes again until January, deep January. And so that's why I feel good about the Browns. I will give Baker Mayfield a compliment on that game. He had some zip on the ball, and he he had some really good passes. 
and he's a unique quarterback in the sense that you know he has a very strong arm. He doesn't have to set his feet. He made some good play uh, plays to the tight end uh, Landry. I I I was subtly surprised with the quarterbacking performance. The punter got the best of him. Yeah. So I, uh, it's tough, but the biggest surprise, I think, were how bad the Packers played, right? I mean, the Titans were surprising, but I didn't think – I thought I could see that from the Cardinals. We've seen that before. I Jameis Winston, I did not think was going to play like that. All right, let's, let's, let's do that then. Let's talk about this. Which of the five teams we've been talking about is in the most trouble? Is it the Packers or is it the Titans? The Ravens, I think, are in this because we've excluded the Browns and the Bills, right? Like, you can feel good about the Browns and the Bills long-term, even starting 0-1. But who's in the most trouble? Is it the Titans, the Packers, or the Ravens? Uh, but first, real quick, let me tell you guys about our friends at Mandu. Mandu.com. If you want to achieve your fitness goals, go to Mandu. Seriously, they will help you get on track to actually achieve your goals. Maybe you're like, I, I want to like lose five more pounds. But I, or 10 more pounds, but I don't, I don't know how to do it. Mandu can help you get over the edge right there with the science of full body electronic muscle simulation. It's also going to save you time because it only takes 15 minutes for a workout. And in those 15 minutes of full body electronic muscle simulation, it simulates over five hours in the actual weight room. So go to mandu.com, your first workout's free. And when you tell them A to Z Sports sent you, they'll give you a hundred bucks off your for, first month when you sign up. That's at mandu.com. We're powered by BetMGM, and BetMGM is our title sponsor not only in the morning, but also for our pregame, halftime, and postgame show this coming Sunday, Mill Creek Tap Room. That's right. Come hang out with us. Come drink beer with us. We, we won't be necessarily drinking beer, but maybe maybe a postgame. If there's a celebration after our postgame show, have a Mill Creek, crack a cold one, away games, we are there live it's going to be a great atmosphere. We want you guys to, to, to come get involved. Plus, Nashville Power Sports, there's going to be a badass, jacked-up golf cart that you could be cruising around your neighborhood. That's going to be live on location. We're going to talk more about that in our in our, our whole game day show. But Nashville Power Sports, Mill Creek Brew, and BetMGM. That's right. So which of these three teams uh, is in the most trouble with an 0-1 start? Uh, is it the Titans, the Packers, or the Ravens? I think you know you can answer all three. The Titans and the Packers probably played better competition than the Ravens. The Ravens actually went into overtime and lost, where the Titans and Packers lost by 25 or more. So, uh, Zach, what are you feeling on this? Who's in the most trouble of those three teams? My gut, so I've got, I mean, I kind of have on all three. I'm actually going to put... The Ravens don't have running backs. That's scary, right? I have my I have my answer. My answer is the Ravens are in the most trouble because I think like I'm not like the running back thing is 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 important because now Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray are not what they were three years ago, but they're so they will be serviceable. But I, I do think losing J.K. Dobbins, losing uh, you know Gus Edwards, and and those two guys have been staples of that Ravens offense. And that's what the, that was what was going to make them different along with Lamar Jackson. But I, I think losing Marcus Peters hurts the Ravens the absolute most him being out for the year. And then the Raiders, they still should have beat the Raiders. And so I think that the Packers, Tyson Titans, Williams though, looked really good at running back. 
If you watch Monday night, who he looked really good I, I at right. The name who? Tyson Williams. Tyson Williams. Oh yeah, yeah. He had a good game. Nine carries, sixty-five yards, and score. I mean, he and Lamar Jackson each averaged seven plus yards a carry. But you know, people are going to find out. Nobody knew who the hell Tyson Williams was going into that game. So now they know, and now they're going to watch film on him and try to figure him out a little bit. I just think the Ravens are are so one-dimensional um, that without their top runners, it's it's a lot easier to defend. And I think they are in the most trouble because of their there's just there's more room or there's less room for error with the Ravens. I think the Titans and Packers can bounce back. Now there's some significant issues, and nobody expected those two teams to look as horrible as they did, but I I, I expect them to bounce back more. Man, I the chat, you know, I mean, Andrew's saying the Titans, the Titans, uh, there's a Ravens coming in from Louie. He said Ravens will rebound. Not he's, he's oh, regardless. Not uh, so, so there's that. Uh, Titans could be zero and three. Uh, there's uh, Ravens have the Ravens have the Chiefs this upcoming week. So the Titans could be zero and two. The Ravens could be zero and two. Uh, I'm looking up to see. I'm not sure who the Packers have um, this upcoming week, but Packers uh, playing prime time. The Lions, yeah. So on Monday night, is the Packers right? better. Is that win. right? Yes, that is right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I, Lamar I, Jackson, Aaron Rodgers are better quarterbacks than Ryan Tannehill. So th- there's I, I that. See, personally, I don't think so about Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I don't think Lamar Jackson can throw the ball consistently. I just don't. He's don't think he's accurate enough. I don't. Tannehill can't get the ball off because his offensive line that, sucks. But. Um, yeah, but when you're talking about who's this the best, is week one reaction, right? Yes, week one yes. reaction. Uh, but my overall opinion is that I would take Ryan Tannehill than Lamar Jackson because I think Lamar Jackson is you know how to defend him. Like Lamar Jackson is not accurate as of a thrower down the field consistently, and Ryan Tannehill is. But yeah, he didn't have any time to do anything on Sunday. All right, here the question is: Which of the five, five teams is the most in trouble after a week one loss? I'm going to have to do nuance, but I'm going to have to agree with you with the Ravens because of the division they play in. I think the Packers can rebound because the Bears, if Andy Dalton's still playing, they got a chance to to beat the Bears. Uh, The Lions, they looked god-awful, right? And, you know, the Vikings lost to the Bengals. So that whole division's up for grabs. The Texans beat the Jags. Congratulations. The Colts did not look good against a very good Seahawks team. But I think that the NF or the AFC North, that is a tough road to climb. That is the tiebreaker, and so uh, and, and so that that I think wins the argument. So Joseph Joseph Yoon on YouTube says that I am now discredited because we are biased Titans fans uh, because I think the Ravens are in the bigger trouble. No, I think the Titans have because of the the division situation. The Titans can still make the playoffs by winning the division. The Ravens have a harder shot at winning or winning their division, which means I don't know if they'll make the playoffs. Well, in immediate trouble, immediate trouble, I'd go with the Titans. Immediate trouble because you could blink and they could be 0-3. Austin, you could blink and they could lose to the Se- – if I told you they lost to the Seahawks and then they lost to a tight game against Indy, which they usually don't, beat Indy at home for some reason? Yeah, when they beat Indy, it's in Indy. 
They start 0-3. This season looks a lot different than what we all expected. So I immediate trouble, I go with the Titans. Overall trouble, I go with the Ravens because of their division. Joseph Yoon says, he goes, no, I don't think you're biased from thinking Tannehill. He thinks I'm biased because Tannehill, I think Tannehill's better than Lamar Jackson. I've been consistent for a long time. I don't think Lamar Jackson is a long-term, consistently good quarterback in the NFL. He cannot throw down the field consistently with accuracy. And the Titans showed that in the playoffs two years ago. In the playoffs last year, Lamar Jackson wasn't very good with his arm, but he was way better that time with his legs. And so his legs won that game. His arm has to be able to prove to me that they can win games, and he can't do it consistently. So if I'm starting with a – you have to be able to win from the pocket down the field in the NFL, and Lamar Jackson struggles with that. Tannehill is better at that. Therefore, I would if take If he Tannehill. can be protect, protected. Yeah, obviously. You have to protect every quarterback. Lamar Jackson. No, you don't have to protect Lamar as much because he can make plays and get out of those situations. Exactly. Didn't you know that Ryan Tannehill was a college quarterback, a college wide receiver at Texas a <laughs> Didn't look like that when he was getting ransacked by Chandler Jones six times. But that's not, that's not Tannehill's fault. Like, Tannehill did not get sacked. None of the six sacks well, on five Sunday. Times, five out of six. None of the six sacks on Sunday were because Ryan Tannehill was holding on to the ball too long. It was all because of Chandler Jones made a good play on a bootleg and sniffed it out, and the other five was the offensive line being turnstiles. Interesting. Okay, uh, I- I'm going to do a quick question. What about who impressed you most, Austin, quickly, of the teams that won? Of the five, what of what teams that won the uh, of of the Super Six and Furious Four? You have the Chiefs; they beat the Browns. Tampa; they beat Dallas. You've got the Rams, who looked really good against the Bears. The Seahawks beat the Colts, and then you've got the 49ers and Jimmy G with a little sprinkle, a, a little the Cajun sugar of of Trey Lance coming in there randomly, like yeah. Justin Fields did. I out of those teams. Which one were you like, okay? Um, I mean, like most of those teams that won were like handled their business. Now, I think the Chiefs had the toughest opponent because they played the Browns, right? I think, uh, let me go back to the teams here. Dallas was good with Dak, though. Dallas was good, and and you like to see, like that's where I was kind of getting to. Like the Rams were supposed to beat the Bears by many points, right. <laughs> and they did. Uh, I think the, I thought the Seahawks would beat the Colts all day long and the Niners played the uh, lions, right? Yes. Yeah. So like that, no contest. So the really, the only two options in this are the chiefs and the bucks. And so I guess Super Bowl. that's what I got in my Super Bowl. I know. Right. So it's like, okay, like great, uh, like super groundbreaking analysis that the chiefs and the bucks were the best looking teams in week one, <laughs> but that's just how, that's how it was. Both of them had some a formidable foe, though. Yeah, I think Dal- Dallas is not great, but Dallas is a formidable uh, so foe I with would say, Dak. And then both of them were at home, and they both. Uh, so I would probably say that I was the most impressed with the Chiefs uh, of the teams we're talking about because Reno says the Saints. Saints are not in the conversation, but like I, I think of the teams we're talking about in the Super Six and Furious Four of the the winners, the Chiefs because they had the best opponent. The problem with the Saints, Reno, is their quarterback. And Jameis Winston, I I had seen that before in Tampa. 
He had had unbelievable singular games. The problem is my the probability of two out of the next four games or two out of the next three games are going to be two to three pick games. And you can't win. Yeah, yeah. Kalen says uh, Stafford was the question mark. He answered. And then the Rams had the best D in the league. I, I don't think Matt, personally, Kalen thinks maybe Stafford was a question mark. Austin Stanley, personally, I never thought Matt Stafford was a question mark. But you don't know until you see him. And you, sure. when you saw him on Sunday night, you were like, damn. Well, yeah, but that's what I expected from Matt Stafford. That's why I picked the Rams to go to the Super Bowl. Remember? Like, so, like, Kalen, from your perspective, that makes sense. But from my perspective, it was what I expected. Because what did I do? I, I had a one-game parlay at BetMGM where I picked the Rams to cover an alternate spread and the under 50 and a half. And what did I do? Cashed in. That's what I did. Because I expected that to happen uh, with the Bears. Uh, and the Bears are not, you know, a good enough test right now for the Rams overall. So Bears you know, that's are bad. the, yeah. I, week four fields has got to start minimum or Nagy's going to get fired again. I think Nagy's trying to Nagy's trying to be cute and look what cute got Doug Peterson last year for the Eagles got his ass fired. And that Matt Nagy is trending to that situation. Well, Once but, you start to be cute, the ownership recognizes that because the fan fan base calls them out and you get clipped. Sure. But again, like my whole stance on that is they didn't want Justin Fields day week one starter against Aaron Donald and company with the Ram. That's just, again, like I, I talked about earlier in the show, getting your players prepared to win, to to succeed as part of coaching. They would not be setting up Justin Fields for success. If they started him in week one, it's just stupid. Like let Andy Dalton get sacrificed by the Rams and then week, move forward with fields week four at home in Chicago against the lions. Boom. That's, there you go. I think that's, they, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the end. Like it, that's the minimum. He better be starting by then. Yeah. All right. Throwing shade time here on this Wednesday, everybody get your shade ready. It's time to throw shade. But first let me tell you guys about our friends at Renters Warehouse, RentersWarehouse.com. They're the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Simply head to RentersWarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. So many different ways you can use Renters Warehouse to help you and your family. Uh, extra cash flows for you and your family every month from other people paying your mortgage and then some. Also, that retirement plan, long-term equity equals long-term wealth. And owning rental property is a great way to do that. Or if you're a renter and you need to find a new place, to rent, they've got great inventory across the mid-state at renterswarehouse.com. A to Z Sports, we're powered by BetMGM. Make sure you download the app today and use the promo code ATOZ Sports. No spaces, ATOZ Sports. They are the king of the sports book world. And Austin and I, look, we we play and bet. I've got my couple of props going into this weekend that uh, I, I, I won. I got a couple more props going into this weekend on BetMGM. Download the app today. All right, Zach. Uh, shade. You mean you said you have two shades, right? Yeah, but we got to do one thing. You're right. We've got work to do, and this is something that uh, I don't want to send out an apology tweet to say I've got to be better, but I've got to be better. All right, throwing shade. Now we can throw shade. So if you've got two shades, we can shade sandwich this thing and then read your comments 
on your throwing shade as well. Joseph says throwing shade at Vrabel for throwing Julio shade. No, no, you don't, don't coddle Julio Jones, Joseph. Joseph, don't coddle Vrabel. First off, Joseph is coming at me for an opinion that I backed up about why I would rather have Tannehill over Lamar Jackson. And now you're trying to coddle a tight Julio Jones and throwing shade at the head coach for doing his job. Get the hell out of here with that, Joseph. That's weak stuff. Dom says shade on Joe Milton for four overthrows on one drive. I was at the stadium, tried not to boo like everyone else. That's from Dom. Uh, shade on Lane says he's got fantasy shade, which listen up, ears up. Oh, Austin. No. Shade I'm on Mike ear, Evans. I'm taking my earpiece out for this. Zeke Elliott, Saquon Barkley, fantasy football suffered mightily. Scott says throwing shade on the CBS team that did the Titans cards game on Sunday. They are worse I have ever seen. Austin, you had some comments on that during the game. Uh, yeah. Oh, my God. It was third and goal at the six. <laughs> and I don't even know who the actual uh, color commentator was on the game. I missed it, but I don't care. They were bad. It was third and goal. And the color guy goes, you know, I think they're really going to try to put this thing in the end zone here. <laughs> And I was just like, like, come on. It's third and goal. Of course they're going to try to put it in the end zone. That's the whole point. Like, thank you for your analysis. Uh, G-Man experienced Nissan Stadium like I did in the preseason for half a second. 26 minutes to get two waters. Welcome to Nissan Stadium. They have not gotten that correct. Oh, Big Ten Jeff eating some crow because shade on the Ohio State defense and coaches – how do you make zero adjustments and try uh, hockey line chase, changes? It needs to be fixed. Ohio State did look bad. Now, I did think Ohio State was going to come back and win that football game at a couple of moments because they had the one thing Ohio State always has, they have explosive players on the outside on their offense. They consistently, they're always drafted in the NFL. That is true about Ohio State, but they could not Oregon. put it together. And Oregon just kept. Kept coming. Kept coming. Yeah, here's a cliche joke. Oregon's running back is still running. He just scored another touchdown, right? Oh, and Ryan says, Rondé Barber. I didn't realize Rondé Barber was the uh, color analyst there. So I don't know if he's a rookie or not uh, up in the booth. But <clears throat> Ty says, shade on A to Z for giving Tannehill a pass. Ty, I gave Ryan Tannehill a C- minus grade in our postgame show. I gave Zach, him a D plus. Zach gave him a D plus. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting... The fact that we are giving Ryan Tannehill a pass. A D plus is a stern talking to from your parents if you bring home that on your report card. That ain't going easy. Yeah, no. Like, but again, like Ryan Tannehill had the least amount of problems that he could control on Sunday. Like, absolutely, Ryan Tannehill should not have fumbled in that in the first strip sack. Uh, from Chandler Jones only in the first quarter. Game plan, offensive line, and drop catches. Those three things hurt Ryan Tannehill, and none of those three are his fault. No, they're out of his control. Ryan Tannehill tried to do his job. He did his job better than anybody else on the offense. Nick Westbrook-Akine, he did his job too. Third and 10 near the goal line, went and got a first down instead of the Titans' first touchdown. Ryan Tannehill, A.J. Brown, probably to an extent did fine too. but. 
No, Ryan Tannehill did his job for what he could control better than the majority of Titans offensive players. We're not giving him a pass. I gave him a C-. I gave him a D+. Plus. All right, I doubled down on this shade. Carmen, you're absolutely correct. Carmen, throwing shade at battery-powered lawnmowers. Uh, those things are effing awful. Why? Hasn't worked in months after hours with customer service and a two-hour drive to the service shop. It fires right up. What's wrong? Uh, I am out on battery-powered push lawnmowers well, they I don't have, have enough juice no Dude. the juice is not sustainable how many battery packs do you have one or two one they don't last i've do experienced you... that last summer i experienced that well like what how big of a yard do you have like you have to you buy the right lawnmower that fits your needs like i don't like my battery can get me two. uh does two it cuts. shut off if you get in thick grass no <laughs> ever no it hasn't yet i've been all like what is this i i got it for christmas and whenever i first cut the grass probably in march all the way through uh i need to do it tomorrow maybe today because i'm leaving town this weekend but i need to cut the grass soon and it's gonna be freaking raining but uh Ever, the, my experience with uh battery powered lawnmowers is they suck that's just my experience and kelkins asked what brand am i using i don't remember it i i don't know I can't remember off the top of my head. It's bright green. <laughs> it, but right, again, like it's, you don't buy you don't buy a battery push mower if your yard needs more than that. And like the shade didn't make sense. They were throwing shade on their battery powered lawnmower for not working, and then taking it to a service shop, and then it worked. I think it was the amount of time two hours on the phone for two hours. I think that was the shade. Well, you know that's customer service, man. Like I I can't help you there, but. So yeah, you have two general shade. customer service. <laughs> I know, right? I'm doing, I'm going to save one of mine. <clears throat> okay, so you can go first. Okay. So my shade is, I've already kind of mentioned it is, uh, I'm going out of town this weekend. Like I have really, I have not taken a weekend trip in the football season since 2016. It's almost five full years since I have like taken a trip for a weekend during the season, but I'm going to be back for Titan Seahawks, Titan Seahawks being a three, 25 kick kind of gives me the wiggle room, but uh, I'm going to be on the show tomorrow. Then Thursday around lunch, driving to Atlanta, hang out with some friends with my wife. We're, you know, got some plans, got different bars. We're going to rooftop stuff, other activities. And it's going to be like raining and thunderstorming all damn weekend. And we're going to be at a hotel downtown in a, in the good spot where we can walk everywhere. And it's just going to be terrible weather. My shade is on the Atlanta weather that's going to happen this weekend because we were set up to go to all these different places, to do all these different outside activities, and it's going to freaking rain. It's crazy. It's like going to the beach and it, you know, a, a tropical storm comes through. You oh, know, yeah. Speaking like... of that, I went to the beach uh, during a hurricane this summer. Yeah, but it cleared up. It, it cleared up. It it was it was a we we I don't know if I ever talked about this during the hurricane. My wife and I went on the beach at 10 p.m. The hurricane hit at like midnight, and we were like uh, we were like uh, what's his name in in uh, in uh, in uh, good lord what's the what's the freaking movie uh, I've lost it. We were like Captain Dan uh, just going out there in the middle of the storm, like you call this a storm, and just played on the beach uh, there for all night long. It was fun. All right, my shade, uh, the infiltration has just happened. That would be one of my shades, but don't recognize the, uh, don't recognize it. Uh, 
my shade is actually something that Austin brought to my attention uh, this week. And he described a person. I won't out the person because uh, I don't know the person. But it was just this person was described as not a good texter. My shade is on anybody that is described as not a good te texter. I can't stand those people. They don't get back to you. You ask them questions, and maybe they get back to you a couple of days later. And then their alibi is, I'm just not a good texter. I don't like text. BS. It's 2021. Pick up your GD phone and text back if you have a question. Don't go with the, I'm not a good texter. I'm not a good... They're not, you don't want to be known as not a good texter because you're not reliable. You end up probably not being a very good friend because you don't know if they're going to show up. It's like, hey, group text message. Everybody has that one person that probably just doesn't respond back. That person is not reliable. So my shade, if you are that person, and I, I want you to look long and hard in the mirror after this show at yourself. And ask yourself, am I described by others as not a good texture? Or do I describe myself as I'm just not a good texture? Be better. That is the form of communication, the easiest way to communicate, right? We don't have house phones anymore. That's long ago. So my shade is on people that are not very good textures. Don't use that as an alibi. Uh, I have follow-up shit on myself for not remembering the, the name Forrest Gump and also Lieutenant Dan. <laughs> like, just had a complete <laughs> brain fart that I could not remember one of the best movies of all time and an iconic character in said movie. Like, I don't know how you just get like the brain blockage. That just tells you that I need this. I need this weekend trip <laughs> to get my brain to be freed up from all the craziness that's happening inside. You of just it. wash it away. This wash weekend. it with the rain that's coming <laughs> through Atlanta. Just wash it away. But good Lord. Thank you chat for the help for me to name Forrest Gump and Lieutenant Dan. Ah, uh, I've never been more ashamed of myself than right now. But I, I think this is—I think this is a good show. I thought we had a really good show on this Wednesday. Tomorrow is Titans Thursday. We've got the magic bucket. We're also going to do some SEC picks tomorrow on the show too, because I am headed out of town and we'll we'll be out for Friday's show. So we're going to make sure I get our picks in there. One of us had a good. One of us had a good weekend. The other of us had a really bad weekend in the SEC. So we'll talk about that tomorrow uh, with week three of our SEC picks. Not a great weekend, but one of us had a good weekend. The other good? Was I, again, I have to go back and look at the record. I've got, I was up I've got, two on you, right? You were up – You going into week two, you were up by one. It's a long season. One of us had a good but not great weekend. The other was just really bad. But we will see you guys tomorrow morning on a Thursday. I hope you have a great rest of your Wednesday. See you later. Adios.